in the heat of the night lies a fine line between pleasure and pain, love and lust, fear and desire. Strip teaser. This is Brandon Ford, and welcome to another bonus edition of the Blind Rage Podcast. This week, I am diving into the B-movie Bonanza Vault to bring you what was, I believe, episode 28, recorded sometime in 2016. Might have even been 15, I don't know. Probably should have looked, but I didn't. Um, we are going to revisit uh, Maria Ford and Rick Dean in one of my absolute favorite sleazy straight-to-video erotic thrillers of the 90s, Strip Teaser. And this is actually my most popular or was my most popular episode way back when I was posting B-Movie Bonanza on YouTube. I think it's been a while. Um, remember my, for those of you who, you know, don't keep up with this show and I'm sure there are many of you, um, but my old account got taken down. It was never explained to me why. I emailed YouTube a number of times. I emailed Google. I called Google. Was never able to get a response. Was never able to get the situation rectified. What I was, however, given was a number of their rules and regulations and I wrote them repeated emails saying I didn't break this rule 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 my show is just me talking over a still shot of a title card or a movie cover art I don't promote hate speech. I don't use words that I shouldn't. I basically just ramble on about movies and tell stories about how they've enriched my life, no matter how bad or how good they are. And that got me precisely nowhere. However, while the show was still up and I still had my channel 
somebody by the name of Mark Webb or Marcus Webb, one or the other, decided to steal a bunch of my episodes and post them on his channel with the wrong cover art and the wrong titles. So, yeah, there's that. And I don't know if they're still up because I haven't checked in a while. But, yeah, so that's where I am with that. I don't have any plans on posting the episodes to YouTube again because it's just a lot of additional work. And I decided to do a podcast the legitimate way not that posting podcasts on youtube is illegitimate by any means necessary but it's just easier for me to do it this way because there's a lot of coding and html and all that blah 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 which i suffered with while my vision was better than it is now so there you go it's just easier for me to, to blindly uh, point and click on my phone and post the materials to the Anchor app, which hosts my, my podcast. But yeah, this is... Uh, I have a feeling that this was such a popular episode because, well, because it's called Strip Teaser... And because either people thought that the video was a video of strippers or it was the movie itself. And probably after realizing that it was neither, um, clicked elsewhere. I doubt... <laughs> All 50,000 listen to the entire commentary. But one can always hope. And one can always hope that you guys will listen to this entire incarnation of the commentary. So, unlike before, I have the movie audio playing in the background. So, if you want to watch along, I don't know where you can see it. Now, I used the DVD as a source at the time, the Concord DVD, which I think is still in print. I think you could still get it reasonably. I don't see a Blu-ray forthcoming. As far as I know, the only Maria Ford movies on Blu-ray are Slumber Party Massacre 3. I think that's the only one, actually. I could be mistaken, but whatever. But unfortunately, a lot of her exploits into B-movie cinema have been forgotten. And it really saddens me. I wanted to, and I think I might have actually reached out to Shout Factory and asked that they start putting some of her stuff out. But they don't respond to me. So, whatever. Uh, also... I wanted to say that the trailer in uh, that, that plays before my introduction, which is the trailer that is included on the DVD, I believe is cut 
because there is a um, there is a little uh, snip sound toward the end of the movie and I'm pretty sure that the trailer I haven't seen it in a long time but I'm pretty sure that the trailer does include some nudity so and I had to take the trailer from YouTube because for some reason the app that I use in order to upload content from DVDs for the purposes of using them for the the podcast has been acting strangely and has only been um, uploading certain titles on the disc and <laughs> much to my chagrin a lot of the time the content that it doesn't upload is the trailer for the actual movie itself and these are DVDs that have multiple trailers for different movies and it uploads every trailer except the trailer for the movie on the disc. Such is the case with Strip Teaser. So as much as I want it to include the trailer from the DVD, which is clean and as far as I know, um, well, I know uncensored, um, I had to go ahead and just use the YouTube because it was at my disposal. But another thing I wanted to say about the dis the trailer, I was going to say disposal again. Another thing I wanted to say about the trailer is that it is quite misleading. If you and you don't even have to watch it in order to to notice because there are uh, there is a lot of, um, and it's like a, a 50 second, one minute trailer, give or take. And there's a lot of stock footage used where you have your general explosions. I think there might even be a car chase. Um, and in the actual trailer itself, there is a masked, a masked uh, dancer who's uh, dancing around with a cape. She's got a weird white mask on and uh, she's dancing around in a black room and um, that is not in the movie. And also I want to point out that the music that is utilized in the strip teaser trailer was also used in the trailer for Body Chemistry 3 and I'm sure it was also used for some other Concord New Horizons movies. And the masked dancer is used in another trailer. So, yeah, they are uh, not shy about uh, milking their cows dry over it. Uh, or they did were. I don't even know if Concord is still in existence. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... I thought this was going to be like a two, two and a half minute introduction, but once I start to ramble, there's just no stopping me, baby. So, um, yeah, I think we should get into the movie. For those of you who are joining me for the first time, we are going to do a 
10 count after the introduction comes to a close. It is a 3D 10 count, which includes sound effects. So it's a little longer than 10 seconds. But after the 10 count comes to a close, you'll hear me start to babble, hear the movie audio, and that is your cue to start your movie if you want to watch along with me. If you don't, you can just listen to the movie soundtrack as well as my commentary. And yeah, I don't want to uh, give any spoilers, but yeah, there's that. Oh, but I do want to encourage everybody once again, please check out my titles, my books on Amazon in paperback and Kindle edition. I sound, I feel, I feel so pathetic every time I do this. Like I'm pleading, please read my books. Please buy my books. Please check me out. I'm a legitimate author. My work is good. Please give it a chance. But yeah, please do that. Um, so yeah, I have books in paperback, Kindle, and audio book format. My latest novel, The Mystery of Kelly Christopher, which is the book, as I've said before, is the one I'm most proud of because it is so... The storyline is so near and dear to my heart because it deals with all things horror and there are a lot of nods to some of my favorite films and the character the main character of nick is modeled after me to some extent not entirely but he's me in a lot of ways um so yeah please check out the mystery of kelly christopher as i as is said in the synopsis for the book on amazon um, it is inspired by true events. That is not a little uh, ploy to get you to buy the book. It is actually based on true events. And if you'd like to hear more about that, I discussed the book in an earlier episode of the Blind Rage podcast. It's easy to find. It's simply called The Mystery of Kelly Christopher. Uh, I don't know why my voice just cracked there. So... Yep. Also, last but not least, I if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram. I believe I still don't know how Instagram works entirely. I'm sure for all of you it is ridiculously straightforward and remedial, but when you're visually impaired, the easiest things can be difficult. So... I believe my name over there is writer Brandon Ford. So if you want to add me, if you want to follow me, I post info about the episodes. I post uh, stills from the movies. I am just getting to know the app, the um, platform. So I still have, I don't have a lot of updates as of yet, but... I'm hoping to add a whole lot more in the coming weeks and months and uh, in 2021. Also, you can 
add me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash writer Brandon Ford. And last but not least, if you would like to contact me directly, you can send me an email at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. That's blindragepod81 at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, um, suggestions about the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you just want to say hi. Or if you want to recommend or suggest a movie that I, I do. I am open to it. Because um, God knows it's been very, very difficult to find... Um, to find some movies to do recently movies that I haven't seen already and um, so yeah enough of me babbling on it's um, time to get into strip teaser remember there is going to be a 10 count at the conclusion of this introduction so get ready for it and get ready for maria ford and rick dean in 1995's strip teaser ten nine eight seven six five Four, three, two, one. Hi, this is Brandon Ford of bfmovies.blogspot.com and welcome to another edition of Brandon Ford's B-Movie Bonanza. This time around, we are watching Maria Ford and Rick Dean in Strip Teaser. We're about to see Linnea Quigley in just one second. Where is she? There she goes, picking up the drinks. Just one line in this movie. But it's always fun to see Linnea. I don't know anybody who doesn't love Linnea. Um, I'm watching Strip Teaser on DVD, of course. Uh, the Concord disc that came out several years back, which runs one hour, 14 minutes, six seconds. And that is not including the little hour feature presentation that uh, appears. If you're watching this on the DVD, uh, after you hit play feature on the menu, uh, little, you know, our, and now our feature presentation or whatever pops up, but I doubt that's on the, if you're streaming it, if it's on YouTube or whatever, um, so yeah, if you get that, just make sure you start the commentary after the hour feature presentation. I'm opening my bottled water, which I was supposed to do before I started the commentary, but I was in kind of a frenzy getting 
this episode together tonight, uh, most of it had to do with the fact that I couldn't find the DVD. Can't find a lot of stuff these days. Um, so I had to do a little bit of a hunt through some a bunch of dusty, dusty DVDs in order to find it. Next to Strip to Kill 2, also starring Maria Ford. Who is uh, one of my favorite actresses? Uh, I did a another commentary for another Maria Ford movie called Strip for Action, which is episode 14, and I am in the process of uh, putting together the the text portion of of that blog tonight. Um, I haven't yet to post it. I took all my screen caps and everything, so, uh, but, what is this, episode 28? So we're like, I'm like twice as far ahead um, in uh, episodes recorded and episodes posted. So, but uh, I wanted to say, I did it. Kind of a lengthy, a lengthy blog post to accompany the strip for action uh, commentary, and in it, I go off on a lengthy tangent, and I do in the commentary as well, because <laughs> tangents are what I do best. Um, <laughs> but I, I go off on how. A number of movies released to DVD by Concord have cuts, uh, either due to there's Lene again, either due to the VHS version being unrated and the DVD being R-rated, or just random scenes being trimmed or cut uh, completely. And thankfully, this that's not the case with Strip Teaser. This is the same. I'm pretty positive because I've seen this movie a number of times. There's Rick Dean on the bus. Uh, sadly, he passed away in 2006. Rest in peace. But I've seen this movie movie a number of times, so I know it pretty well. And I'm pretty positive that it is the same edition that was released on VHS by New Horizons Home Video back in uh, July of 1995 was when it came out. There was no theatrical release that I know of. Certainly not a mainstream theatrical release. If it did, it, it was showing any big screens. It was... I don't know. I uh, I'm confused when it comes to certain uh, Roger Corman movies of this era, because mm, I don't know if they actually have showings at theaters, select theaters. I can't imagine <laughs> where you could actually see. Strip teaser or um, or a uh, what 
or strip for action or strip to kill two or showgirl murders or you know any, any Saturday Night Special or any of those other Maria Ford movies of that time but I know that there are some movies that are perceived to have been direct-to-video releases however they did have very limited theatrical releases um, and I think of that interview that um, Brandy Burkett, Burkett uh, did for the Slumber Party Massacre box set that Shop Factory put out where she said she was in Slumber Party Massacre 3 my favorite movie of all time thank you very much um, she said that it was her first movie I think and she said that she saw it on the big screen in her hometown where but I'm not exactly sure where she's from but Maybe because it was a Slumber Party Massacre movie, they gave it a, a a limited theatrical release because it was a recognizable title as part of a franchise. I don't know, but that's neither here nor there. According to IMDb, Strip Teaser had its video premiere July of 1995. I saw it approximately two, two years later I ordered my copy on VHS from Movies Unlimited I've spoken about I've spoken about Movies Unlimited in previous commentaries this was actually one of the very very first movies that I ordered from Movies Unlimited I think it might have even been the second one second or third I don't know I'm pretty sure the last Slumber Party was, ironically, the first movie that... I gotta lower this fucking audio, because Rick, <laughs> I love you, but you're kind of loud. Um, and distracting, but... Uh, what was I saying? Yeah, um... It's, it's, it's funny, because I remember... I ordered it for Movies Unlimited, it came... I remember it was summer. I remember the day it came in the mail. I didn't watch it right away, which was unusual for me because whenever I would order a special order a movie on VHS back in the day, um, I would usually just tear it open and pop it in right away. But I didn't watch it right away for some reason. And I don't know why, but I... There's Maria, yeah. I decided to go to my mom and pop video store that very night that it came to rent another movie. I don't know why, I don't remember why, but I do remember this very specifically. So I went either that later that afternoon or that day. Strip teaser was probably out of the plastic because I never kept VHS tapes in plastic for more than a millisecond after I purchased them. I spoke about this before, but... So, Strip Teaser was at home, unwatched. It was a movie that I wanted to see for a while. 
I don't know why I didn't watch it right away, but I decided to go to the video store. I guess I just wanted to get out for a little while. And I just was having a look at their new releases. And believe it or not, on the shelf, Strip Teaser 2. I thought I was seeing... First of all, I thought I was seeing Strip Teaser with like a, a different release because the the typeface that they use for strip teaser 2 is very different uh than the than the font and, and the typeface that they use for the original but at first i thought yeah at first i thought it was it was just a different version of strip teaser and then i saw a two and i was like what the hell and i looked picked it up i had a look at it because i thought Maria was in this one too. Uh, I looked at it. I read the back of the box. I saw that it had that she was not in it, that Rick Dean was not in it, that nobody from the original Strip Teaser was in it, that it had absolutely nothing to do with Strip Teaser and was an in name only sequel. I did eventually rent it. Later that summer, I didn't. I don't remember what I rented that night, but I didn't rent it because I would have gotten it if Maria was in it. I would have had a nice little Maria Ford slash strip teaser double feature, but it wasn't a Maria Ford movie. Therefore, I didn't really care. I did remember. I did. I did rent it later that summer. And I do remember it being painfully bad, unwatchable, very, very, very low budget. It, I think it might have been shot on video, if I remember correctly. Um, but the story is, is incredibly different. It's uh, about a guy who's on the hunt for his missing sister who goes to work at a strip club and then gets sold into white slavery or, or some kind of bizarreness. I don't know. It wasn't, I don't even think I finished it. It was bad. But this movie, I have always been a big, big, big fan of. And, um... It depends on how you look at Maria's filmography. Like I said, I've always been a big fan, and I spoke about her before, where I would rent pretty much anything she was in just to see her. Uh, there are a number of movies that she's in, either as a supporting role or a bit Part. And then there are others like this where she's the lead. Or I guess she's the second lead. Because Rick Dean's obviously the lead lead. And he has a hell of a lot more lines than he does. He has a lot of dialogue in this movie. But I do consider this to be a Maria Ford movie. Um... So it depends on 
what I consider to be a Maria Ford movie. If I'm going by movies where she is the lead, the female lead, then this is my second favorite Maria Ford movie. My first is Mind Games. Well, she was actually the third lead in that one. But still, she was a... Uh, um, yeah, that's my first... My first Mind Games with Brian Krause and Soleil Moonfry, directed by, written and directed by Maria's buddy Kevin Alber, who was also in Strip for Action with her. But if we're going by movies which she's in as part of the ensemble, or an ensemble, of course, um, Slumber Party Massacre 3 would be number one, bringing Mind Games in at number two and Strip Teaser at number three. Um, I think Showgirl Murders is probably my favorite after that one. Um, I know, and I'm sure Maria knows, that she does not have a lot of technically good movies under her belt. Um, I do consider this one, considering what it is and what they were working with, the budget was only $100,000, and even in 1995, that was pretty low budget. Uh, it's pretty well written. It's got a decent script. There's an awful lot of nudity, of course. This is a Roger Corman movie. There is... There's no... Well, there is a little bit of sex, but there's not an excess. Um, Rick Dean is, is great. He's, he, he was a great character actor. Uh, he does this, this role very well. I think Maria plays um, the vulnerable... Christina very well um, so I do consider this to be one of the good ones when we, when you look back at, at her her filmography mind games is another one that I consider to be a good a good one Saturday night special not a particularly good movie strip for action I pretty much rambled on endlessly about how bad that one was in, in the monologue that I monologue in the blog that I was working on tonight um showgirl murders again not a good movie but I like them for their camp value for Maria of course um and because I like bad movies what, what, what can I say I like bad movies I like B movies I like camp I like cult, I like straight to video, I like all that stuff. These are the movies that I grew up on. So, I was never a big uh, fan of Hollywood. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I watched Hollywood movies, but I, I was never one for event films like Batman. Well, I like the Michael Keaton Batman movies, but... I was never really one for event films like Indiana Jones or Star Wars or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, George, any, any kind of George Lucas, Steven Spielberg type. Um, I preferred 
my movies a little simpler and plus I I um grew up on a steady diet of horror and slasher movies of course a lot of those were small budget uh, endeavors so you know my my taste kind of cultivated itself if you will um, so yeah this was according to IMDB a lot of this looks like LA to me there's a tunnel that they drive through that um that has been used in several other Corman uh, slash uh, Concord movies uh, but according to IMDB this was filmed in Tijuana, Mexico. Um, I didn't know that because this is, you know, typical LA fare, looks like to me. And, but inside the strip club, it, it's it's where the majority of the movie takes place. Is it's pretty clear that it, that it's a a soundstage. It almost kind of is reminiscent of a uh, a set for a, a sitcom a three camera sitcom because you have that um, you have that um, no breaking of the fourth wall um, kind of feel you do see the back wall uh, but only briefly most of the movie you only see the bar to the left the stage in the center and the seats to the right uh, the back wall is all, I don't think you only you see it until the very end of the movie so it kind of ha it definitely has that that sitcom kind of look and feel to it and I'm trying to debate on when I should tell the story but you know I guess when I run out of things to say but Maria has been in a few movies with Rick Dean. She was also in Saturday Night Special with him. And he spoke about her in the commentary track for Stripteaser, which I have not listened to in a, a, a long time. By the way, I think I've said this before in another commentary. This is one of the only movies, DVDs, that Concord has put out that has actual extras on it. There is an actual commentary track. There is uh, a gag reel slash extended uh, scene. And with all of Concord's DVDs, they always put up a, a uh, trailer gallery because, you know, it's promotion and publicity for their other titles, of course. And they do their little biographies, typically. Uh, but there's ordinarily there's never really anything interesting which was I was very surprised to find that there was actually supplemental materials on this but as I was saying before I went off on that tangent um, I used to know this but I can't really remember all of the other movies that Maria has been in with with Rick. I know they've been in more than a couple. I know that. Uh, 
with when, when you work for Roger Corman, you know, you 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 see a lot of the you work with a lot of the same people. Uh, you work with a lot of the same directors. This was directed by Dan Golden, who has directed Maria in a number of movies, um, and it was written by Dwayne Whitaker, who has been an actor in a number of Corman movies. Uh, I th he was even in a um, Saturday Night Special with Maria and Rick. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Dan Golden directed that too. So, it's, you know, everything comes full circle. You can tell everybody knows each other because everybody's worked with each other so much. I think, as I said before, I think the actor or the uh, performer or whatever person that Maria has worked with the most has been Kevin Alber. She's, he wrote and directed her, um, um, he wrote and directed Mind Games and he was, he starred with her in, in Strip for Action and um, Burial of the Rats and showgirl murders and a whole bunch of stuff and then he disappeared <laughs> I, l I looked him up I think when I was doing uh, the strip the strip for action commentary and he's not he was working as a casting director for a little while and then he kind of dropped off I don't know what he's doing and I don't know what Maria is doing these days either because uh, that movie that I mentioned in the strip for action commentary which i don't know why i keep referencing i guess because it's another maria ford movie but i guess i should be concentrating more on this one but um i don't even remember what i was about to say about strip for action but obviously this movie was titled Strip Teaser to um, capitalize on the release of the Demi Moore movie Strip Tease, which came out around the same time. And I don't know if they think, if they thought that people were going to be stupid and think, oh, pick up Strip Teaser and think, oh, this is that Demi Moore movie with the blonde woman who on the cover who looks nothing like Demi Moore. I don't know. But they did the same thing with Showgirl Murders. Because, um, of course, that was was released when Showgirls came out. But the, the similar title, you know, was a thing that uh, Roger Corman was, was famous for. I'm pretty sure this was not on... IMDb, but I'm pretty sure I remember reading at one point that the original title of Strip Teaser was Zipper's Clown Palace, which is the name of the strip club. And I wanted to make mention of that insane sculpture at the entrance. I wonder if that can't have been built specifically for this movie because that had to have cost a pretty penny 
And Roger Corman, as I've said so many times before, was a producer who was always trying to pinch a penny, and he would not have something like that elaborate built, I wouldn't think so. Unless it was all styrofoam or something. But if that, thi if that thing was real and was a real entrance to a real strip club, I would really like to know where it is and if it's still there. Because that would be something to see. So, yeah. Uh, as I said, the script was written by Dwayne Whitaker. And was originally titled, uh, don't quote me, but originally titled um, Zipper's Clown Palace. Which really doesn't quite roll off the tongue, so I can kind of see why it was changed. Um, I'm trying to think of what Showgirl Murders was originally titled. I think it was like Deadly something or other. It was a very generic title. But Roger was always very fond of uh, provocative titles, titles that grab your attention, and and as I said before, titles that capitalize on Hollywood movies. So, um, yeah, Showgirl Murders and again, Strip for Action had very you know, and Saturday Night Special as well. All Maria Ford movies had very generic, almost TV movie sounding titles before they were changed to something a little more provocative. Strip for Action was originally titled Hot Ticket and Saturday Night Special, I don't recall, but that Forrest Hump porno that, um, there's that tunnel that I was talking about. That might have even been stock footage. I mean, this is a Roger Corman movie. Um, okay, I guess I got to that story. I do have a little story to share. Um, I it was this was several years. No, not even that many years ago. Maybe five years ago. Four or five years ago. Maybe a little less. I don't know. I don't know. But I uh, got a friend request on Facebook from Mr. R.A. Mihailov who Oh. Rick is going off. Mr. R.A. Mihailov who plays Little, the bartender and who's not on screen right now he's over by the bar but he's a very large man and his name is little uh -huh. but he sent me a friend request on um on facebook and i don't know why i don't know why but I, as soon as i saw it i flipped out i was like holy shit for those of you who don't know R.A. Mihailov is known mostly for playing Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 3. So I'm sure all of the interaction that he gets with his fans or with fans on Facebook 
they all want to talk about chainsaw they all want to talk about Leatherface and I like to be different um so when I, I accepted his friend request and I decided to send him a message and I was like holy shit I can't believe I just got a friend request from Little from Strip Teaser his mind was blown he could not believe that I actually knew what strip teaser was that I had seen strip teaser that I knew he was in strip teaser I don't think I, I think it was probably the first time anybody recognized he's here he is right now talking with the beard I don't think I think this was the first time anybody had ever recognized him for taking part in anything other than Chainsaw Massacre 3 and uh he was pretty taken aback. I don't. I wish I still had those messages, but we exchanged a few back and forth. We didn't become buddies, sadly. I haven't heard from him in a while, but I do remember him asking if I was related to Maria, um, and I said no because I'm not. Because Ford is not my name, real name. Neither is Brandon. But, <laughs> um, but I don't remember anything else after, after that, uh, but if I had a similar, um, well, it wasn't even my experience or my, it, it's kind of my story, but. I, I, I have a habit of making with unnecessary prefaces when I tell a story. It's been a habit of mine that I've been trying to break for a number of years. Um, and somebody that I used to be very close friends with who I choose not to name was going to a special screening of Halloween 4 and 5 and before or after the movies I don't know uh, Danielle Harris was going to be signing autographs and I probably even told the story before <laughs> one of my other commentaries because I don't have I don't need that I mean life is not that interesting so I don't have a lot of anyway um I don't have a lot to say but anyway um so this person who was once a close friend was going to this special screening and was going to meet Danielle and I, of course, wanted an autograph, but at the same time, I knew that everybody and their mother would be bringing Halloween stuff up to the table for her to sign. And, you know, again, I like to be original. So, I said to myself, Okay, well, I asked this person if he would get me a signature, and he said, yeah. So, I said, I'm going to send you a DVD sleeve uh, for me. 
um, to get her to sign for me. And what I sent, it's on my, it's on the uh, memorabilia. There's a picture of it in the memorabilia section of the B-Movie Bonanza blog, but I sent the DVD sleeve of a made-for-TV movie she did in 1991 with Victoria Principal and Paul Servino called Nightmare. And this was around the time she did Halloween 4, Halloween 5. She looked the same as she did in the movie. She was a little girl and it had a, a release on a on a budget DVD. I can't remember the Media Blasters or something like that. One of those cheapo um, companies that released uh, either obscure movies or TV movies on DVD at one point. So, anyway, and for those of you who haven't seen it. Or can't find it on IMDb. I was I was talking about this with a friend of mine earlier, and he was looking for it on IMDb on her IMDb page and couldn't find it. And that's because IMDb has it titled yeah, under this stupid title, "Don't Touch My Daughter," which is what um, Lifetime started airing it as at one point they haven't aired it in a while i don't think but when it would aired on lifetime i first saw it on the usa network and they aired it at, they played it as lifetime i'm not sure what network it originated from it was one of the major ones i assume but i saw it on the usa network sometime in the early to mid 90s as nightmare and it was based on a novel called nightmare so anywho to make a long story even longer this person I said to this person you know she's gonna have nothing but Halloween stuff so you know stand out a little bit unless you really want her to sign something Halloween go ahead but if I were you I would I would want to be original and I would want to be remembered and so he had her sign the DVD sleeve for the movie Wish Upon a Star with uh, Katherine Heigl. But apparently, according to him, when she saw the Nightmare DVD sleeve, she was very much taken aback. And he quoted her saying, oh my God, I have never even seen this before. And he sent me a picture of her of her looking at the DVD sleeve and she has like this priceless she had this priceless look on her face and it was really cool and uh, she signed it for me and like I said it's on my it's on the memorabilia section of my of the B-Movie Bonanza blog at bfmovies.blogspot.com bfmovies.blogspot.com for those of you who are watching or listening to the commentary on Vimeo uh, or YouTube probably not YouTube for a while because I'm not going to be able to post anything to YouTube until December thanks to the douche canoes over at Slasher Video yeah yeah I did mention this fuckers again and I will probably mention them several times more for those of you who haven't check out my 
I got sent to copyright school blog on writerbrandon4.blogspot.com for all of the details on those shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I might have even told the story on one of my other commentaries. Because <laughs> I, I kind of run out of things to talk about. So certain things. Um, but speaking, uh, getting back to the Corman movies being, uh, often being family affairs. There is uh, Nick Nicky Fritz, who is referred to as Butch by uh, Rick Dean. I don't know. I don't know what her character's name actually is, but she is the Butch kind of looking one, with the hair pulled back and the earring connected to the nose ring. And the very, very large melon-shaped breasts. She has been in a few movies with Maria. And I'm pretty sure that they are... I don't know how close they are, but I'm pretty sure that they're friends. Or they were friends at one point. They did a few... They've been in a few movies together. Again, Strip for Action, which I keep referencing. Uh, they were also in Showgirl Murders. Nikki had a non-speaking role in that one. There she is. She had, there's she had a bit a bit part in in uh, Cheerleader Massacre. Terrible, terrible, terrible movie. Directed by Jim Winarski and I listened to he's worked with Nikki a number of times too and I remember when she came on he in the commentary when she came on screen he goes and there's Nikki Fritz and her new tits she must have gotten uh, well hmm, I don't know how many but she must have gotten more than a couple Boob jobs. Now, I just found out not that long ago that if you're. Well, obviously, I wouldn't know this because I don't have tits. Well, that's. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, I didn't know this, but a lot of the time, if you're a woman and you decide to have your breasts augmented you have to go back well m most of the time this is a, an extended sequence and there is a a moment where the spotlight that she's dancing above shines right up the old um, hoo-ha I was trying to not be as not be explicit but I didn't want to be clinical and say vagina but it was shining in her vagina <laughs> her bald beaver <laughs> anyway um she's a petite little thing though 
Um, so if you're a woman and you have, and you decide to have your breasts augmented, a lot of the time, well, it is urged, from what I understand, because I am a doctor after all, that you have your implants replaced every 12 to 15 years. Some women can have them longer, I guess. I don't know. But some women have to get them redone um, more often because either they leak or they harden. Uh, there's all kinds of issues that you can have when you have fake boobs. I don't know why that these women just don't get a a, a water bra or something because I wouldn't want to have to keep going under the knife over and over and over again just to have my boobs repaired. I was just listening to the Jenny McCarthy show the other day and she said that she would, had hers done four times which is not unusual. If I, I can get to my house, I'll to um, Lance August Who's had a pretty prolific uh, career in B movies? I can't. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything other than other than this. But they're plotting the two of them. He was a chain smoker and a half, Mr. Richting. Um. He mentions, I don't remember exactly what he says about Maria in his commentary. I think he does a commentary with the director, Dan Golden, on the DVD. And I don't remember what he says about working with her on this movie. But he said something about, well... The, Roger Corman's company somehow uh, got the rights to the, the Beethoven movies, movies about the St. Bernard, the sequels, and they did a number of, sh of straight-to-video sequels, Beethoven's third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and I think he had just been in Beethoven's sixth, in which Maria has a very, very small role. And he mentions how he had, that was the last time he had seen her at that point. This scene here, I'm pretty sure it's this scene, is the scene that's extended on the this is the supplemental materials on, on the DVD on the DVD on the, in, in the it, there's an extended version where the, it's much much longer and it's it's very very Tarantino-esque which I think is what Dwayne Whitaker was going for when he wrote it because there's a lot of you know uh, philosophy um, a lot of uh, debate about what is 
perception and what is reality and basically stoner talk. But uh, Tarantino, as I'm sure everybody knows, is famous for um, his dialogue. He has a lot of dialogue in his movies. And he has a lot of that sort of dialogue where it's uh, contemplative and uh, speculative. And funnily enough, Quentin, I know he like he likes B movies a lot of B movies of this sort. He's a he's a uh, a bit of a film historian. I'm sure everybody knows that. But he's a bit of a film historian. And so he knows like everything about movies and he he loves these kinds of movies and supposedly, I don't know if this is true or not, but according to IMDb, Maria Ford is or was at one point his favorite uh, B-movie actress. I don't know, again, I don't know if that's true. I hope it's true. It is true. It's really cool. And um, makes me wonder if he likes her so much, why he wouldn't put her in one of his movies. That would definitely be something to see Maria Ford and a Quentin Tarantino. See, there's a lot of a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue in this movie in general, but Rick's character, um, um, can't think of his name right now, but Rick's character has a has the most obviously because he does a lot of talking on this stage here and I do remember in the commentary track because he delivers a very very lengthy monologue that's coming up in a second where he he reveals that he's spent several days or weeks. Well, he starts in on his uh, early life first, and then he goes into uh, several uh, the, the several chronicling the several days, or I don't know. He doesn't say exactly how long it's been, but apparently we come to find that he's been stalking Maria Ford's character, Christina. Watching this now, looking at this now, um, I, I'm, I'm really coming to to realize that she, being this, the female lead, really doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue. I think that's kind of interesting. And she's on the cover. By the way, speaking of the cover, <clears throat> yeah, that was a bitch. I still, I, I was only, I, 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 I know I spoke of this on the strip for action commentary which I'm referencing yet again but I do not like the cover that they used for 
the DVD, which is white. Well, for those of I'm sure for those of you who have the cover, you know what it looks like. But for those of you who don't, you can see it on Amazon. It's a white background. It's very plain, generic. She's wearing a white dress, and it's not a very flattering dress. She looks beautiful, of course, but it's 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 not a very good picture of her. I don't like the dress. I don't like the picture. I don't. I just don't like it. I prefer the the the, the artwork that was on my original VHS. By the way, there was two versions of the movie. The movie on VHS was released with the white cover that I just described and a black cover in which Maria is wearing only bikini bottoms and she's covering her breasts with her arm and posing very seductively and I prefer that cover. I like that cover a lot more than the white one with the awful dress but from when they put together the the DVD I guess uh, by the way I wanted to say before I went off again um, Rick did say during the commentary that this monologue was so long and he could not remember his lines that they had to have cue cards so he's reading cue cards for this scene because he could not he could not remember all this dialogue but um although it, it's pro it's probably going to be some weeks before I actually get around to posting this episode of B-Movie Bonanza because, like I said, I think this is episode 28 and I'm only on about, I haven't even posted 14 yet, but I'm about to post 14 very soon. But I was trying to find some images in order, well, I was looking for the cover specifically because... I could easily find the DV the white back cover of the DV that's on the DVD on Amazon. There, I usually like to use the poster art for the uh, the top of the of the commentary of the blog post. For those of you who for those of you who actually visit my blog, um, you'll see that I, I tend to use the, the poster, but this is a straight-to-video movie, and although straight-to-video movies do tend to have posters, I couldn't find a poster for strip teaser. So, so, but I didn't want to use the white cover. I wanted to use the black cover. It's the black. It's the it's the one that I prefer, but it's very very hard. A high quality anyway image is very very hard to come by, and I have low vision, so it's pretty difficult for me to do an image search especially when it comes to something specific I uh, uh, I hmm. I'm sure that there are images on the blog that have watermarks or, or other or like 
links on them and I didn't even know because I didn't see them um, when I collected them. But yeah, I, I, I'm guilty of using, I'm pulling images off the net, but in a lot of cases, I, I take my own screenshots, um, which I'm going to have to do with this because, um, yeah, this is probably going to be a lengthy blog post, but I, I was trying really hard to find the black cover that I favor. Couldn't find it. I asked a friend of mine to have a look for me. He came up with a very low quality image that was kind of slanted. I don't know if I'm going to use it or not. I'll probably end up using the, the DVD cover begrudgingly and I really don't want to. But as I've said in the once again strip for action commentary, um, I told, I, I talked about this on that commentary, but it, it's apropos, so I'll tell the story again. For the Strip for Action VHS and later DVD release, uh, Roger Corman again, who is a penny pincher, always trying to save a buck. I guess, mm, figured, well, we have two covers for Strip Teaser. Why don't we just alter one of them and just slap it on Strip for Action? Which is what he did. Or what he had someone do. So, the Strip for Action cover is the same image of Maria that is on the, the original VHS that I spoke about with the black background. Her, they don't show her entire body from head to toe as they do on the on the strip teaser cover. It's a more of a close up of the image, and I think it stops like just just uh, below her waist. But they invert the image, so she's facing the other way. They change the color of. The bikini bottoms that she's wearing, I think they're black on the strip teaser cover and on the strip for action cover, they're red. And she has a hand on her ribs, and they superimposed or photoshopped or whatever the hell they did 20 years ago. Uh, they put a gun in her hand, and I guess they were thinking that people would be stupid and not recognize that uh, yeah you just use this you just recycled well I mean they recycle every fucking thing else stock footage uh, music you know dialogue in certain circumstances everything is used and reused or was I don't even know if Roger Corman is still producing movies I have no idea but he, yeah, I mean, kind of gets a, a little annoying after a while, but especially when it's, it's, it's the same 
piece of stock footage or especially music music is a very 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 big part of uh, Roger Corman uh, recycling uh, habits or was at one point and that's that's obvious on the in the trailer gallery on this DVD there is this piece of music that was used oh my god in a number of Concord trailers I think it was used in this for the trailer for Stripteaser it was used in the trailer for Stripteaser 2 it was used in the trailer for Body Chemistry 3 um, it was it was used in a number of trailers and I'm sure that they're all on this DVD but yeah music is, is a big is a biggie music is all always recycled you're almost never hearing a score that's never been used before if you're watching a, 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 a Corman movie of this era that's funny when I when I think about, again I'm going to reference refraction but <laughs> um, as I as I spoke about in strip for action, there's a there's a car chase scene where they use stock footage from a movie called The Liars Club, which was a Corman movie from 1993. It was a teen thriller about a group of friends that cover up a murder, and uh, yeah, there's a car chase scene in that that they recycle for strip for action and I don't want to give anything away if you haven't seen it it's a good movie I do enjoy it um, again it has Brian Krause and Sully Moonfry as I said who work together on on mind games they 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 work together first on on the liars club sadly Maria was not in that one but again I don't want to give anything away but it ends on kind of a somber note it's not it's not a happy ending and the final shot of the movie is a car I'm not saying driven by who because I don't want to say again I don't want to give anything away but car driving down a road and it's supposed to be I guess bittersweet, I don't know, but it, it's, it, again, it ends on a somber note, and there is this instrumental that plays as the car starts to pull off down the road and drives over the horizon, and we fade to black and credits roll. So it's kind of slow, I think it's kind of supposed to be emotional, it probably was written originally for that movie but I several years later came across the Midnight Tease movies which were Corman produced movies about strip shivers 
And believe it or not, Maria Ford was not in either one of them. She's been in them. She's played a lot of strippers and been in a lot of movies with the word strip in them. But anyway, in the in, in, there's mid-90s and there's mid-90s too. There was a double feature DVD that uh, Concord put out. But there's a sex scene in the original mid-90s that was kind of raunchy. And they use that music from the Liars Club during that scene. I guess thinking that people, because it's slow and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm not a musician, so I don't even, even know how to technically describe the um, composition, but I guess they were hoping that people would consider or see it in a more of a uh, erotic fashion if people were having sex in front of it or during it and not at the end of a movie with a, a bittersweet ending. I don't know, it was just weird to me and it was just really out of place. Every time I look at this guy, I think he looks exactly like Jim Brewer. Look at him, looking at him, I'm sure everybody's like, what the fuck, he does not... But he just reminds me of Jim Brewer for some reason, I don't know. This is really kind of weird that he has him on a crucifix. And in the, uh, on the DVD, in the, in the, uh, outtake reel, they show uh, an outtake of this, this crucifixion. And the the fake nails that Rick is hammering into his hands kind of break. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the hell they were. But the sound effects are really what bring it home and make it very effective. Oh, God. I'm, I'm constantly readjusting in my seat while I do these things. Good grief, I've, I've been talking non-stop for, how far are we into this thing? One hour, four minutes, so we got another ten minutes left to go. Okay, you promise. Then I'll shut up. Oh god, this guy with the, the dark-haired bald guy has really, really bad skin. Really bad skin. He's obviously of the era when there wasn't um, effective acne treatment on the market. Yeah, I'm going to get into acne right now because I don't have anything else to talk about. But I remember I had a bit of, you know, I didn't have severe acne, but I had some issues, some acne issues. and. You know, when you're a kid, you always go to your parents for tips of like what they did when they were in your position. And I remember my mother uh, suggested that I use a soap, a facial soap called Fostex, which I think is still around. I don't know, but it's a very, very old acne treatment soap, and I remember it dried my skin out so bad. And one of the one of the early methods in like the 50s and 60s, if you were a teenager and you would go to the 
to the dermatologist for acne, what they would do a lot of the time was put you under a light and just pick the zits off your face. Just pick them off. And that's why you see a lot of men, especially, like this guy here in the movie, the bald guy that plays the, the cop with severely acne-scarred skin because they went underwent such treatment or treatment I use the word very I'm doing air quotes with one hand because I'm holding the voice recorder with the other but yeah that, and um, I had an uncle that, uh, that underwent the same thing and he had very they have laser skin resurfacing these days to repair that but good grief When I was a teenager, they my my dermatologist was trying to well she wasn't even my dermatologist she was my GP at that time she was trying to push Accutane off on me. <laughs> Thankfully, I did not. Um, I did not take that prescription because as some of you may or may not know, it took a, a very very long time for the FDA to discover that Accutane caused causes all kinds of health problems but it was on the market for a while because it supposedly cured acne you just had to go through a very very rough six-month period of severely dry skin and peeling lips and you couldn't drink alcohol that was the selling point or the 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 the, the line in the sand for me when they were like no alcohol for six months I was like fuck that <laughs> no I don't even think I was in my teens at that time I think I was probably about 22 and I had just started going I just got my you know my uh, freedom to, to drink in public places and I was like I'm not willing to give that shut up for six months now I don't even drink at all But, yeah. I want to put in the. I have to remember to put in the blog that I go off on a tangent about acne and ac and, and skincare. I think it's a big, a big shootout. Um, which does not end very well. movie does it goes very very quickly though so you have to you have to admit that that's that's the thing with Roger Corman and I know I've said this before but Roger Corman has always said he prefers his movies short and sweet preferably under 80 minutes or 80 minutes 
or under. I don't even think he likes 90 minutes. I think he even thinks 90 minutes is too long. Have you ever discharged a firearm there, Sonny Boy? No. Well, I have. Put the gun down. No. Put the gun. Care. He's about to save the day. Squibby, squib, squib. I'm sure those faces are not all acting. I hear those things are pretty painful. I can never understand what she says here. Either she says, got a cigarette or want a cigarette. Something about a cigarette. And that's how we know that she's still alive. I think that was one a cigarette. Hey, look at that insane structure. Outside the entrance with that gigantic nose. How the fuck would you not walk into that thing? We are about to roll credits on Strip Teaser. Another can. Another can. Another episode of B Movie Bonanza in the can. And as always, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for spending these. 74 minutes with me listening to me ramble on um, I do appreciate you guys very much supporting the the, um, the movie commentary blog bah, movie commentary podcast uh, please don't forget to visit the B-Movie Bonanza blog at bfmovies.blogspot.com Please don't forget to visit my personal blog at writerbrandonford.blogspot.com. Add me on Twitter at Brandon Ford, all one word. Add me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash writerbrandonford. And of course, most importantly, please, please, please don't forget to pick up some of my books. You can find them easily on Amazon in Kindle and paperback. Just hit your drop down search option, select books, type Brandon Ford, and both my uh, author page as well as uh, some of my titles will come up. I have a number of books in the horror and suspense genre as well as a couple of uh, short, story, short story collections. Um, so, yeah, please check them out if you like horror, like, uh, dark fiction. I'm sure that you will enjoy my writing, especially if you enjoy my nonsensical ramblings. I didn't mention the final girl. I usually mention the final girl in every single commentary for some reason. But yeah, there's a novel that I wrote called The Final Girl, which I wrote specifically for 
fans of horror and slasher movies because there's tons and tons and tons of references horror movie references in that one so yeah definitely check out the final girl as well as my other titles all available on amazon.com i'm trying to keep going until the credits stop and this awful awful music ends I wonder if this song was used in any other Roger Corman movie. Probably. He doesn't... <laughs> he doesn't... He recycles everything. Or did at one point. But anyway, I think we're about done here. So anyway, thanks again for, for listening and for um, visiting the blog. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of B-Movie Bonanza. Until next time, this is Brandon Ford saying goodnight.